Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Disney Movie Marathon looking back at the official Disney canon. My name is Jonathan North, and as I explained in the intro episode slash trailer thing, this episode and many of the ones that follow, at least for the time being, are all quote-unquote reruns from my main podcast, I Heart Movies. The Disney Movie Marathon has been a staple of my podcast since the beginning, though it actually started even before the podcast as a series on my YouTube channel. After I started I Heart Movies, which at the time I was calling the I Heart Podcast, the Disney Movie Marathon became a recurring series on the show, and over the course of the last three to four years, I've compiled a huge library of episodes, so far spanning Snow White through Cinderella. Though I will be covering Alice in Wonderland on the main podcast very soon, so if you want more Disney content before we actually get there on this show, go follow I Heart Movies. But today, as we kick off our look at the Disney canon in mostly chronological order, we're going to look back at the very first review I did for the series, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. My co-host is my cousin Sarah, who was my most frequent collaborator at the beginning of my YouTube channel, and even now probably does at least one podcast a month with me. Sarah will be my main co-host for most of the episodes at the beginning of this podcast, at least on the main Disney canon ones. However, as we go on, there will be more and more guests as I met more and more people to collaborate with. Including here, at the end of this episode, since this show started out as a basic YouTube review series back in 2017, by the time I got around to making it into a full podcast series back in 2019, it wasn't long enough, so I decided to beef it up by inviting a bunch of collaborators to give their own mini-reviews of the movie. This kind of multi-creator collaboration won't be a main feature on the show forever, but at the beginning, when I hadn't filmed these reviews with the intention of them being podcasts, I felt like I needed a little something extra. Moving on with the episode, I should give a slight audio quality warning before we get into things. We had some recording issues the night we filmed this original review, so you'll have to bear with us, at least for this episode. Things definitely improve as we have learned and continue to learn more about what we should and should not do while recording videos and podcasts. This episode is also edited in ways I no longer use, including having music under the dialogue, which I wanted to fix, but I couldn't find all the original files, so I guess this is just, it is what it is. In a way, with all these issues, the show is a bit of a trip through time, especially if you've listened to some of my more recent podcasts, and you'll notice a lot of the small improvements here and there as I've learned more and more about podcasting. Some of these early episodes have had issues that I probably wouldn't even face today as I've learned how to deal with things. Anyway, I think that's all for now. Let's get on with our review of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Disney Movie Marathon. This is a series that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I think I had the idea back at the very beginning of my channel. But it's something that I kind of wanted to wait on until I actually felt like I was ready to do it. Because this isn't something I wanted to like rush into. I wanted to do this right. So for this series, I don't want to do this by myself. I want to have like a discussion about the movie. Not just, this is the movie, this is what I like about it. So I'm going to have a guest in every episode. For now, my guest is going to be my cousin Sarah because she's really interested in a lot of these first ones. So we're going to be talking about at least the first... Zillion. <laughs> There's probably going to be some other guests, but for now, Sarah is really interested in a lot of the early ones. Sarah will have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, Sarah's like my first choice for a guest. But Thank you. <laughs> I was telling my friend Rachel the other day what I wanted to do, and she said basically that it's almost a rite of passage for a lot of online reviewers to start at the beginning of the Disney series and work their way to the end. 
she actually did a few years ago on her blog. But I want to make it this a series that's beyond just a review, because that's what a lot of people do, is just a review. I want this to be like a discussion about the history of the film, the art of the film. In-depth commentary. Yes. This is... I want this to be a cut above a random review that you would find online. I want this to be an actual series that is going to be something to look forward to. To that end, this is not going to be a series that happens every week. Um, but it's going to be fun. I'm going to I'm going to have fun talking about this with Sarah. We're going to probably do one every time we get together, however often that is. With a movie like Snow White, it's so iconic. So many people have seen it that if you only touch the surface of it, that would be really boring. So, we're going to tell you a little bit more about the history of it. When it came out, nobody had ever done anything like it. Walt was even in the paper, as, like this was his folly. People were already shooting him down about it. And he kept after it, even though he was running out of money. It was costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. In spite of that, he was a source of employment for artists during the Great Depression. And he was so committed to his vision for the movie that he even provided art training for them to help them achieve what he wanted. And he was really a team player. I gotta give him kudos for that because I don't know how much of a team player I am. I don't know. He brought in two European artists. One of them was described basically as being a maverick, but he had a special point of view where he would come up with all of these creative sketches and Walt valued him because he was an idea guy, even though he wasn't good as a cartoonist per se. He had really creative ideas. And there was another European artist I don't know if you'd say European. I think he was from Sweden. Not still Europe. Still Europe? Okay. Who was already very polished as a children's book illustrator using watercolor. Absolutely gorgeous. So skilled. And he harnessed both of their talents towards his project. It was very clever on his part. To get all of these people to work together and to work so hard and he would give out a bonus to somebody if they came up with something funny that could go into the movie five dollars if it was good ten dollars if it was really good which would have been a lot more money back then if you adjust for inflation helped get you groceries <laughs> he also paid a lot of attention to the music because back then he realized that that's what people would carry with them a lot more, well maybe not a lot more than today, but perhaps a lot more than today. They talked about how you can't go out and buy the film. Mm -hmm. They could go out and get sheet music or, you know, sing it to themselves afterwards. Or a record. So he, he put a lot of thought, a lot of dedication, a lot of perfectionism into the film. That oh. perfectionism is what made the film what it is. It's what made his company what it is. Because without that perfectionism, I don't think the film would have worked. Probably because not. He would have just needed to have given up on it if he just listened to all the naysayers. Mm -hmm. The fact that he stuck with it 
through all the people telling him that it was a, a foolish idea. Potential company failure. Yeah, and it really could have been. If it had failed as these trade papers had said it would, his company would have gone under because he had put so much money into this that they basically were betting everything on this film. And the fact that he kept going, the fact that he persevered through all the people telling him he shouldn't, the fact that he risked everything and it turned out amazing, I think, is really inspiring. At that point, cartoons were for laughs. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to take it deeper than that and really tell a story. Cartoons were not for making people cry. And he wanted to see if he could get people to cry. Something that I never thought about growing up watching it was that at the time, people didn't necessarily know how the story was going to end. So when you get to that absolutely beautiful scene where she's dead or just during that whole time when she's dead they they didn't know what was going to happen and he did get them to cry and that was really special also I think he wanted to compete with bigger movies and be judged on that level but I don't know, I don't think people necessarily knew what to do with him at that time. So he just got a separate award. And that might have been a disappointment to him. It's a good thing that he got some kind of award. But it's a little more understandable when you think about the fact that that had never been done before. Have you seen the award? What was it's it? An Oscar with a bunch of little Oscars trailing after it. In honor of the dwarves. Oh, so that's what I did see it yeah. there, but I didn't realize what they were. That's cute. I don't remember what the exact title of the award was, but it was sort of an honorary thing, just to mark mm -hmm. the achievement, even if it wasn't a best picture. But the fact that it was an Oscar statuette with seven little Oscars, I think, is cute. It's very memorable. I bet that's worth a lot of money. And I like the fact that it was given to him by Shirley Temple. I still find it weird that Shirley Temple and Walt Disney never actually made a film together. She it was seems, at the premiere, though. Yeah, it just seems like something that it should have happened. I can't, I can't believe those worlds never collided. Like maybe she should have voiced something. Yeah, it just seems like it would have been such a good fit. Hello. The girl who played Snow White was a bit of a... Not really a fluke, but Walt, I think at the time, was looking for someone to play her, and I believe was on the phone with her father, and she just sort of butted in like, I can sing, and ended up getting the part. And she just cherished that for the rest of her life. I don't know if she's still living or not. Probably not. But even as an elderly person, she was still singing the part of Snow White. And one of the things about... The music, especially, okay, there's a particular song in there, it's probably titled With a Smile and a Song. It sounds so Great Depression. Just the optimism in it, like, it's okay, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yes, I nearly got murdered by the huntsman, but it's, it's okay. I'm gonna make friends with all of these chipmunks now. <laughs> anyway, that's something... I think to take note of while you're watching it. 
the things that are quintessentially 30s as well, like the prince's voice is so 1930s crooner. And even the fact that she has a little squeaky voice, I think fits in with the cute female voice mm -hmm. of the era. The quality of her voice is something that is really, I think it's indicative of the era because you don't really have people with that kind of voice these days, at least in big roles. Just the fact that she sounds so high, sweet, innocent. Everything fluctuates. And note her little curly looking do. That's, it fits right in. Could mention also the lady who played the Evil Queen did both the Evil Queen as the Beautiful Queen and as the Hag. She had versatility in her voice. She did a really good job and she herself was maybe in her 60s when she did that role. So she had she had skill as a voice actress. I just found it interesting. I know this is probably isn't that interesting, but I thought it was interesting that she was born in the latter half of the 1800s. And I mean, I get this is early 1900s, so that's not that surprising. It's always just, interesting to think about, though. It was also interesting to note that the one artist who was 48 was considered an old man compared to all of the people working there in their 20s, including Walt Disney, which shows you just how young he was to be tackling this project. Mm -hmm. So, young people take heart, go conquer the world. <laughs> you don't need to build a franchise, though. Just whatever you want to do. Just, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, you can build a franchise if you want to. Especially if it's tasty. I'll support you. Anyway. <laughs> Well, it, depend. it would depend if it's like Panera Tasty. Anyway, that's a ramble. <laughs> One of the things that I liked about coming back to this as an adult was paying more attention to the details, the art, the backgrounds, the animation. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this series is because I wanted to take the time to actually look at these things instead of viewing it like I would have as a kid as a fun movie to watch I wanted to look at it for the artistic value and talk about those qualities watch some of the behind the scenes things and figure out what went into the making of it it looking at it in that way really helps you appreciate the movie more it I think it elevates it beyond just a movie that you watch it really helps you appreciate the artistry and everything that went into it, like the story of how it, it's never been done before and Walt went through with it even though people were saying he shouldn't. That to me, I think, it gives the story more depth and helps you appreciate it beyond just a movie you saw as a kid. So yes, gorgeous European-inspired wood carving and landscapes and a little 1930s-esque princess frolicking with the woodland creatures. It's worth revisiting. Well, I think that's going to be all for this episode. Next time we get together, we're going to be talking about Pinocchio, which is another movie I have not seen since I was a kid. I'm, I'm going to be very interested in revisiting it, especially because I'm remembering some of the things that happened in that movie. And I feel like it's going to be strange watching them now, thinking about how this definitely would not be happening if they were making this movie this day and age. 
do not know how long it's been since I watched the whole movie. So yeah, it's probably going to be very fresh. And potentially disturbing. <laughs> That's a good tagline. Fresh and potentially disturbing. <laughs> it sells. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. So obviously my review with Sarah wasn't that long, which is fine. Episodes will start to get longer as we go, even though there won't be any set time length. They're just going to be as long as they end up being. Anyway, back when I first turned this podcast into an episode, to fill out the time just a bit more, I got a few of my animation friends to contribute their thoughts to the episode as well. So before we close this episode, Eli Sanza, Sol Carlos, Mark Brown, and Rachel Wagner are all here to give us their thoughts on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Snow White, for many years, there was this whole, like, 
thing that, oh, she's a bad uh, example of women because she's a damsel in distress and this and that. So for many years, I didn't want to watch this film because there was this whole negative idea about it. But then for, I don't remember what anniversary it was, probably like the fifth year anniversary. I don't know what year um, it came out. I, I saw it this year and I saw it for the first time the full uh, film and I really liked it. I thought it was so, such a simple story, but so beautifully done, uh, so charming and, and joyful and sweet. And so, yeah, I, don't, I feel like people, yes, it's definitely not a role model. Snow White is not a role model, but it's definitely such a fun and, and really charming story that it deserves more good, you know, reputation, I feel. And it, it's definitely, you know, when I watch, um, I don't know, Toy Story, you're just like, ooh, that, that animation looks, you know, <laughs> it's old. But with this one, I cannot believe it's the first animated film, and it's it's just so well done, and it's, oh, you see all these watercolors, and it's just a color palette of it, it's beautiful. And I was actually, because I, I, when I was little, I did watch scenes of this film, I was horrified by the witch <laughs> and so it was great to watch the film this time fully and like I did it um but yeah it's a lot of great characters I wish there was a little more backstory and like you know understanding of the characters between the prince and her but overall it's a lovely film Hello, everyone. My name is Ibrahim, a.k.a. Mark Brown, and I'm here with my thoughts on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Disney's first animated full-length feature. And I'm a big fan of it. I do enjoy the film. I think, it's, unlike other what other people might say, I think it does stand the test of time. Uh, it's a film I can always go back to and enjoy. I love the animation, the colors, and all. And to think that was made in 1937, to, to me, that's just shocking. It's just so good. I love the... Um, I, I have no problem with Snow White as a character, no matter what criticism she may have. I feel that uh, she teaches a lot of good qualities of just being kind and just having a positive outlook on bad situations, similar to Cinderella. So I really uh, respect her for that. And of course, who cannot love the dwarfs? I love all of them. And seeing them in the film is just amazing. My favorite ones are probably Grumpy and uh, Doc. I can't decide which one I like better. And Evil Queen is. You know, she's a pretty good villain. I mean, that whole transformation scene, the old hag or the witch or whatever she's called, it's just, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> so yeah, so I answer endorse. I'm a big fan of it. And if anyone has not seen the film yet, you should definitely check it out. Hi, everybody. So I'm Rachel from Rachel's Reviews, and this is such a great opportunity to be on Jonathan's channel, and especially to be on his channel talking about Snow White. Snow White is a wonderful film. Of course, it's a groundbreaking film. Everybody knows that because it was the first uh, American-made animated film, and it was a huge uh, struggle for Walt. People thought he was crazy for doing what he did. He took Merge on his house to be able to do it. They called it Walt's Folly, and I'm sure that Jonathan will share most of that history with you. But what I want to talk about is why the movie, I think, still holds up even to this day. Uh, first of all, you have the beautiful animation. I love scenes like when the witch is transforming to the beggar woman. I don't know what's the correct word for it, but anyway, to the old, old lady witch, the way that uses the bubbles and, and the reflections and the colors is so cool, so great. It's totally has up. I love the vocal performance in that movie. I love how she does both the Haggard Queen 
and the Jealous Queen. And it's, it's really interesting because most villains are about trying to gain power that they don't have. But in Snow White, the evil queen is queen. She has all the power. She just can't handle the fact that one person in the whole kingdom is more beautiful than her. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty fun uh, motivation, I think, for the villain, for the character. I think uh, Snow White is a very sweet and lovely character. She doesn't judge people. She's very helpful and you know, just a lovely, lovely character. Uh, she loves Grumpy, even though he doesn't love her back. And, you know, of course, she has the love with the prince. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are really dismissive of these early princesses, but I think they have a lot to them about positivity, you know, whistle while you work. Uh, the, the, the outside, I think, to Snow White is just, it's a little bit, uh, the singing is a little out of date with that squeaky kind of high-pitched voice, but the songs are actually quite good. And, you know, the the Seven Dwarfs are, are charming and really fun. <laughs> this, uh, they're, they're really not getting a lot out of this deal of going to the mine because they're getting all these diamonds and and jewels, but they seem to be living pretty, <laughs> pretty meekerly. So whoever owns that mine is doing quite well. <laughs> but, you know, really fun. Hi-ho! And the washing song is really great. Uh, you have Dopey, which is, is a lot of fun, got a little comic relief. One of the nice things about this movie is that you get a little bit of every single emotion you, you have when she's afraid in the forest. And I think that still holds up as being pretty scary, pretty well done. And then you get the laughter, of course, with the dwarves and with Jopi and, and other things. Then you also get the sadness because when Grumpy sees that Snow White has died, he's devastated. And the whole funeral scene is very sad. And I think it, it really works well. And of course, there's lots of happy moments as well. This is a really, really good fairy tale that kind of has all the emotions that you could want. It has uh, great characters. The animation is wonderful. And so all these years later, I think it's not, it's great not only because it is the first, but it is great because it's great. So that's my thoughts on Snow White. Uh, it's just a, one of my favorites. So there you go. It'll be interesting to see what Jonathan has to say. So thanks so much, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye! Thanks for listening to this episode of the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to the iHeartMovies YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.